So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this is the 21st of April. It's Easter Sunday. So that was a Hallelujah Chorus, uh, sung by the Cambridge Singers and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra were accompanying them. A beautiful piece of music that is tradition that we always play here on, on Sacred Space Programme um, each Easter. Welcome again to our programme, and thanks indeed for joining us. Our programme, of course, as usual, is being broadcast on Sacred Space on West Limit 102 FM at 10am and 11pm. This morning, this each Sunday, actually, 10am and 11pm, and it's available for playback and download on Come and See Inspirations at buzzsprout.com. If you want to open buzzsprout.com website, you can search for Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. And also, of course, on our blog, which is sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So our podcast team this, in, uh, this morning is, um, includes actually myself and Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Morning, John. How are we doing? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us again, Shane. I know Shane is very busy these days. Thanks a lot for taking the time out to join us in this particular programme, Shane. As usual, our programme, well, actually, our programme won't include saints, and Shane will ex- will explain that now in a minute. In part two of the programme, we've invited back a guest that we had join us on Christmas Day, actually, uh, last 2018. Martina Lahan Sheehan. She shared with us a beautiful reflection there on Christmas Day. And has agreed to come back again and join us this morning. And in part two, she'll be sharing that reflection for us on Easter Sunday, Easter transformation. Let's wait and see what she's got to come for us. It's beautiful stuff, I believe. If you want to contact us at all, you can text us here on the program. And that's on 87 That's 87 or you can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So, Shane, at this part of the programme, I know we don't have any saints this particular week, I believe, and just share with us what actually happens this time of the year. Sure, John. So, as you said, uh, this week on the liturgical calendar, the saints, the memorials and <coughs> commemorations of the saints are suppressed because we are celebrating what is the octave of Easter, and nothing takes precedence in the liturgical calendar uh, over the celebration of the Easter octave. Now, octaves, we've spoken about octaves before. Generally, at this stage in the church's calendar, there are only two octaves left. There's the octave of Christmas and the octave of Easter. Before, there used to be many more. There used to be one around for Pentecost. There used to be another around the 15th of August. Uh, But after the reforms of the Second Vatican Council, there was only two left. Now, the idea of an octave is basically the church stops liturgical time. So it wants to emphasize and allow people to continue to live and celebrate in the moment of the great feast that is being celebrated, which, of course, at this time, of course, is we are celebrating the resurrection and Easter Sunday. So it's to allow it to be uh, continued for the rest of the coming days. So if you are attending mass or you are participating in the divine office, what you will see is a repetition of the, in the Mass, the preface will be used, potentially the, the Eucharistic prayer will be the same, um, just, and the, the collect will also be the same as Easter Sunday. In the office, it's the prayers and some of the antiphons, as well as the continuous use of Sunday of week one of the, of the Psalter. So that's where it lies ahead, and of course, it all ends up next Sunday, which of course is the second Sunday of Easter, also known as Low Sunday. And it's called Low Sunday because it's held in kind of contrast to the heights that we would have celebrated on Easter Sunday. Uh, so that's, that's where it gets its name of Low Sunday for next, uh, for next week. Um, so that's what we have in terms of the liturgical calendar this week. For those praying the office, it's proper. Uh, so the, the, the Psalms and so forth are proper to the octave. Uh, so it's just a case of read them through. Now, John, just one other thing. Of course, people will, of course, have been aware of the great tragedy that struck in Paris during the week. And in particular on uh, Monday night when we witnessed the, the burning of the Cathedral of Notre Dame de Paris. The, what I read it somewhere was described 
Paris is epitomized by the Eiffel Tower and France is epitomized by Notre Dame. And of course, we've seen that the wonderful work that the Pompidiers, the firemen of Paris did to try and save the great cathedral. Uh, 855 years old, five years older than our own St. Mary's Cathedral in Limerick. And of course, it has to be said that, you know, it is a tragedy, both for Paris, for France, and for European culture and history. But perhaps it could also be seen perhaps as a metaphor for our current situation, you know, for the destruction or for the collapse of things like the belief and faith in the church, for faith itself, and for Europe's understanding of itself and its place in the world. Um, but as this is Holy Week and we are celebrating Easter Sunday, and it is truly a reminder to us that out of death and destruction and grief comes resurrection. And we have to remind ourselves, of course, that for Christians, um, the church is the living temple of the faithful. It's not dependent on bricks and mortars. And of course, we must. Pay, but while we pray for the praying community of Notre Dame, because we haven't heard too much about them during the week, it's mainly been the politicians and the historians. Um, you know, we must remind ourselves that. You know, Notre Dame will rise again, as she has so many times before, through wars, revolutions, and neglect. And hopefully those great world's windows, which did survive, will be restored and cleaned, and will still inspire and teach the great relics of France, the crown of thorns, the tunic of St. Louis have been preserved. And I'm sure, I'm sure this morning, the bells of Notre Dame will have rung out over the city. You know, It'll be hopefully a metaphor, the rebuilding of Notre Dame will hopefully be a metaphor for renewal, rebirth and resurrection in a world very much calling out for signs and symbols. A bit like our own St. Mel's Cathedral in Longford a couple of years ago. We have to remember this too shall pass. And as Julian of Norwich once said, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. Thanks for that, Shane, and so to all of us. Uh, it was certainly a memory for myself and Anne, who had, had occasion to visit um, a beautiful cathedral there a number of years ago in Notre Dame. So at this part of the programme, now we will pray a spiritual communion prayer, and this is for all those who cannot receive Jesus at Mass this morning um, in Holy Communion, but this is a spiritual communion, and we'll pray in communion with all of those. My Jesus, I desire to bring you in, to, to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now at this part of the program, we'll play our, our first bit of music. And this piece of music um, this morning decided to, to take um, from Jesus Christ is Risen Today and it's by the King's College Choir.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for staying with us this morning. And as promised uh, in uh, the introduction to the programme, we said we'd have somebody on who was actually with us last Christmas, actually, to give us a beautiful reflection. Uh, welcome back again onto the programme, Martina Lahan Sheehan. How are you? Hello, John. I'm very well, thank God. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us again to give us a lovely little reflection this morning, hopefully on Easter Sunday. But before that, um, mm-hmm. would you tell us a little bit about the work you're involved with yourself and your husband, Pat, please? Okay. Okay. Well, the work I'm involved is hard to explain. I, we, we spend a lot of time wondering whether the neighbours think we've we've lost the run of ourselves. <laughs> I used to I used to work full time as director of in a small retreat centre in Montanashi in Cork for 17 years, and I just finished there last month. <laughs> so, okay. so I've made I've made a big transition, and likewise with Pat, uh, my husband, he finished his work last year, and we are not retiring; we're refiring. So <laughs> we're start, <laughs> we're busy on the road at the moment, doing retreats and giving talks and so on around the country and in England and Wales and so on, and also a little bit of one-to-one counselling and spiritual direction and that, but. Um, when, when the neighbours say, what are you doing now? It's very hard to explain, especially since some of what we're doing has involved giving talks in missions and things like that. And when people hear about parish missions, they think of the missionaries of long ago. Um, so so we're a bit unusual, John, what we're doing. But anyway, mainly retreat work, um, reflection, parish reflections, missions, and one-to-one counselling and spiritual direction and that. But we've both... We've both finished our jobs, I think, since the last time I was speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And listen, Martina, thank you so much indeed for joining us, because I know you're very busy. I mean, as you mentioned yourself, around the country, and then uh, we are actually recording this on Tuesday of Holy Week. So you're off actually, I, th- I think it's in the morning now, to do a retreat for the next few days in UK. So thank you again for, for offering and spending some time with us. Just one little thing now, just before we go into the reflection. You do um, send out quite a few Sabbath Soul Space emails, I think it is, each week. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah. Well, for the last couple of years, we have, um, we just try to reclaim, I suppose, Sabbath and trying to keep it uh, a reflective day. And we write a little reflection every Sunday. And uh, there's a few hundred people on the emails at this stage, I'd say. And anybody who wants to be included in that will get a little uh, email with a reflection that we write ourselves every Sunday morning, usually. And it's just a few uh, thoughts for the week and a little a bit of nourishment, I suppose, just to help us through the week. So if anybody wants to um, receive that Sabbath reflection, they're more than welcome to uh, contact us and we'll put them on the list. And have you got any contact details you'd like to use to pass on to us there, please, Martina? So if they wanted to email us, um, we're at rua, that's R-U-A-H, O six at aircom.net. Rua, R-U-A-H, O six at aircom.net. And if you wanted to email us, um, you would be included on the list and you'll get that little reflection that we write every week, every Sunday. And, mm-hmm. and if people are getting any problems with that uh, connection, maybe if they come in and contact myself here, um, John Keeley here doing Sacred Space, and that is, if you can text us actually to the programme, it's 87 and I'll put you on to Martina. Or again, you can email us in the sacred space, 102 at gmail.com. Okay, so at this stage now, Martina, uh, thank you very much again for, for, for joining us. And um, we did ask you to come on the programme and share with us reflection you'd like to give us on this Easter Sunday that would be appropriate. Where would you like to start, please? Uh, yeah, I suppose when, when I think of Easter or I think of resurrection, um, the immediate word that comes to me is hope. Um, now, I don't know, for me, I think there's two types of hope. There's hope with the big H, <laughs> where we have a very fixed expectation of what we want the outcome to be. And I think I had that um, sort of fixed expectation for many Easter's. And I was sort of missing the whole point of what uh, resurrection means. Now, I suppose, um, I'm sure there are many listeners uh, listening this Easter who are finding it hard to hope and are maybe even saying, what difference does resurrection make to my life? And I think that's a valid uh, question to ask. Um, 
But I think it's Emily Dickinson says that hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul. <laughs> I love that quotation because I think uh, Emily Dickinson is saying that hope is a very embodied and an internal thing. It's not something that is just historical or that is external, you know. Um, very often maybe we we think something extraordinary must happen uh, at Easter uh, to prove that Jesus has risen or whatever, you know. Whereas, in fact, this resurrection, um, I think, is something that we have to cooperate with, that we, we sort of co-create. It's in, it's in everyday life. Uh, the poets often say that we get little intimations of eternity, meaning we get little moments of resurrection. And very often they're short-lived. And as we know, and as many of the listeners, I'm sure, listening this evening, are saying, well, life is touched with a bit of death. And life is touched with suffering. And every embrace has the vulnerability of a goodbye. And every um, everything has impermanence, I suppose, um, written into it at some limit, at some level. So, yes, we live within limits and we see a lot of chaos and a lot of suffering around us. Yet, I think it is in the kind of dappled place of the daily life that we need to look for these little intimations or glimpses of resurrection. I think resurrection sparkles where we least expect it. That has been my experience anyway. Um, I think uh, Patrick Kavanagh uh, says that often it's when our faces are downcast and our noses are in the rubble of our achievements um, that we begin to hear the music behind the door. He calls it heaven's music. He calls it heaven's music behind the door. So I think that's something we have to kind of attune our ears to, um, that it has to become a daily practice, really, of listening for heaven's music uh, behind the door. And often it's in the, I think maybe those moments of birth are often in the death places. And I suppose nature is showing us that, you know. Um, I think like many others, I probably had a bit of an Old Testament God uh, for a lot of my life. You know, the in the Old Testament, the, the people of God believed they were the chosen ones. And if they had the right mark on the door, that the, there wouldn't be any suffering or death in their lives and that the angel of death would pass them. But that's not the, that's not the Jesus, I think, that, um, that we celebrate at Easter. It's not a Jesus who kind of um, rewards the good and punishes the bad, or if you have the right mark on the door, or you have earned uh, salvation, that you're, you're free of suffering. It's something very different, I think. I think the Jesus that comes to meet us at Easter with the wounds, in his hands, you know, uh, the resurrected Jesus meets us in our woundedness. And we're all in this somewhere. It's None of us have the right mark on the door. We all know what failure is. We all know what pain is. We all know what disappointment is. Um, and I think it's right in there somewhere that we need to look for this um, hand of Christ, who I suppose, you know, sometimes maybe changes changes and transforms us, not always changing and transforming the situation, but changing and transforming us in the situation. That's certainly my kind of experience and my ongoing, I suppose, learning about Easter and resurrection and that, that it's more about, you know, the risen Christ bringing transformation out of the places that we call failure very often, or even the lost places in ourselves, you know. So when I think of, of Easter or resurrection, I think more about, um, I suppose, having my eyes opened. That's what I would think of. Um and I often find myself praying in Holy Week, you know, for the, the stone to be rolled away from the tomb of my own heart and my own eyes so that I see differently. You know, there's a story about uh, the old monk kind of giving out about the young monk coming back from another retreat uh, or another prayer meeting or something. And the old monk says to him, you know, what's the point? 
in all this prayer and belief and so on that you're doing. I don't see you any different. And the young monk said, "Mm, maybe not, but I see you different. And I suppose, I think um, it's something about seeing, how we see. And there's a choice. I mean, you know, the resurrection has happened. Jesus has died for us and risen for us. And we have to kind of choose that way of seeing, the resurrection way of seeing every day. Um, every day. I, I remember, I've, I know I've often shared this, um, one Easter Sunday morning, and I was, uh, my job was to prepare a liturgy uh, on Easter Sunday morning for the Easter ceremonies, and it was a, a few months, six months after my own mother's death, and very often in those times, it's not easy to see resurrection, you know, and I was sitting in the garden uh, trying to write a reflection for the morning, and I couldn't think of anything. And I thought, sure, I don't see any signs of resurrection in my life at the moment and so on. And next thing, a little butterfly uh, landed on my page where I was trying to think of something. And um, I got very excited. And I was a bit like the women running to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. And I wanted to run to tell somebody about my little butterfly. And I ran into the house. Uh, where I was working at the time. And I met this man and I, I told him about my, my the butterfly and he scratched his head and he said, yeah, mm, that kind of happens all right. He said, yeah, that, what that was now, I'd say, was an old winter moth uh, looking for somewhere to die. And my little um, Easter butterfly died on the spot. <laughs> so I said to myself, you know, gosh, we have a choice to either see the little miracles as winter moths waiting to die or little butterflies that are symbols of transformation. And this choice comes every day. Uh, Pope Francis says in the resurrected life, he said, always beware of sour pusses. <laughs> and he's referring to sour pusses as those of us who, who don't look for the resurrection, I suppose, in, in ordinary lives, really. And, you know, we could even do all the ceremonies, and uh, and that's wonderful, and we need to do them. Um, but we could exhaust ourselves doing all the ceremonies, and they might still not change us. We might still not make eye contact with this Jesus, you know, that wants to rise within our hearts. But it's not just something historical that it's not something that happened back then, but that it's something that happens now in the core of our being. Even though the top layer of our lives might still be difficult, there might be enormous challenges, um, but I suppose resurrection, something Julian of Bridge said when she says that under all of that, you know, all will be well and all manners of things will be well. And Julian of Norwich says that even the mark of sin will be turned to glory. So there's something about, um, even though the chaos can continue at the top layer, that there it's something about a way of seeing and a way of believing that transformation um, is something that can happen if we open to it. And this isn't something we can do with willpower, and it's not something just about the next life. It's not resurrection isn't about, oh, we'll have resurrection in the next life. I think it's something about the abundant life now, available right now. Even in the most challenging situations, there can be an invitation to a glimpse of the abundant life. And we might have to slow down a bit because very often we're missing the little miracles um, of that risen life. So I suppose when I think of resurrection now, I think of something that must happen in the core of my being. Um, I think that it has happened historically and it must happen now again through me. And I must in some ways co-create it, this, this resurrected life. Um, but I know hope is difficult, you know. We can get very used to misery. <laughs> it can become it can become a comfortable old hammock, you know. Even we're told, you know, the Israelites when they were... Um, uh, moving from the land of slavery uh, and they were in the desert moving towards the promised land, they started complaining and saying that they wanted to go back into slavery. That was better than this unfamiliar place. So we have to, I guess, practice opening to the unfamiliar place, to the abundant life. And 
if we're honest, we have an attraction to it and we have a bit of resistance to because it changes us and it moves us beyond our comfort zone and we tend to defend against what we don't know. And the resurrected life is about growth and it's about expansion, I think. And it's about uh, an attitude. I heard two women talking um, not so long ago and one of them said to the other, gosh, isn't it a beautiful, sunny morning? Isn't it beautiful? And the other woman said, oh, yeah, we'll pay for this later in the year, though. And and I could identify (laughs) with that kind of habit of sort of being a wet blanket, you know, killing the new life. Um, And I suppose, you know, we're sort of nearly evolutionary wired for it, really, to watch for danger, to watch for things that could go wrong. So a bit of a negative bias. And yet Jesus invites us to, to look for the light and to know that we are called to be that light. That we are to call to look for the light and to be that. There are many people, maybe this Easter, who are really struggling to see light in their present situation. And and I would say to them, you know, to that real faith is believing that there is light even while it's still dark. Is light and kind of choosing it with your attitude and and your hope. And it's like nurturing it, nurturing that hope and giving yourself a little bit of stillness and going in, into the heart to feel that even in the most difficult situations like nature, we do, we do recover. And the, that cycle of renewal um, is the resurrected life within us. And it really brings me to the words of one of my favorite songs that I asked Pat to learn and sing. <laughs> and it's the, the words of the song, The Rose. And I think it's one of my because it's all about the hope of resurrection, especially those words. And I'd love to sort of send them, if, if you could use that word, to anybody um, who this Easter feels that the road has been long and that they're not able to see resurrection in their lives Um, and I think the words go something like when the night has been too lonely and the road has been too long and you fear that love is only for the lucky and the strong just remember in the winter or beneath the bitter snow lies the seed that love in the spring becomes the rose Martina, thank you so much for that. And with that, we might just go out and listen to your husband Pat singing The Rose. Some say love It is a river That drowns The tender reed Some say love It is a razor That leads Your soul to bleed Some say love Learns to die 
is the dream Afraid of waking That never takes a chance It's the one Welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in, uh, by Shane Ambrose and the owner of the Skype line. And of course, at this part of the program is where we always read and reflect on the Word of God, the Gospel for today. And today, uh, before that, Shane will again read this prayer or pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Jen. So the Gospel for today, Easter Sunday, is the, the Gospel we're taking today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 1 to 9. It was very early on the first day of the week, and still dark, when Mary of Magdala came to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been moved away from the tomb, and came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she said, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter set out with the other disciple to go to the tomb. They ran together, but the other disciple, running faster than Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent down and saw the linen cloths lying on the ground, but did not go in. Simon Peter, who was following, now came up, went right into the tomb, saw the linen cloths on the ground, and also the cloth that had been over his head. This was not with the linen cloth, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw, and he believed. Till this moment they had failed to understand the teaching of Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. So that's the Gospel for today, Easter Sunday morning. Shane, would you start a, a little reflection for us, please? 
Sure, John. Um, so, of course, we have presented uh, John's account of the resurrection story uh, to us on this morning. Um, obviously, we have journeyed through Luke's gospel throughout uh, Lent. Um, but it is, it, it is John's gospel that's presented to us today. And I suppose it's, it's, it's an interesting one um, to compare and contrast the different accounts of the, the resurrection which each of the Gospels have. And while there are some differences between the texts, the number of things come out is the fact that the tomb was empty. There are different witnesses, generally Peter and John. Uh, it is the Gospel of John which predominantly mentions Mary of Magdala and uh, also then the other appearances to the other witnesses. One thing I suppose I would just say to people, um, when you're encountering the Gospels over the next couple of weeks, because obviously Easter we celebrated for 50 days, um, just like we've, we marked 40 days of Lent. And one thing just to be conscious of is that when you hear the Sunday Gospels, we hear them a week apart. Um, but actually, when you read them in, 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 in sequence in Scripture, they are actually all the same day, or mostly are the same day. Uh, so just, just something to bear in mind. But of course, we go back to this morning's gospel and we encounter, I suppose, first of all, we is that awakening after the trauma of the night before. And you kind of think to yourself, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure that the disciples woke up and Mary Magdalene woke up that morning and kind of opened her eyes and kind of said, maybe by getting out of the bed, it might have all been a bad dream. And instead she had to face into going to the tomb uh, to anoint the body. And I suppose for many of us, you know, we have been in that situation of wishing something hadn't happened, be it the trauma of death and dying, of losing a loved one, or some other traumatic event in our lives, like maybe bad news with health or financial issues or whatever it might be. And I think, you know, we have to kind of ask ourselves, well, what does the resurrection say for us um, in our daily lives? Because we don't actually know what happened at the resurrection. We, because nobody was there except Jesus himself. What we have is we have the witnesses that came to the event and the impact it had on their lives. Cowards who ran away, who suddenly had the courage to go out into the streets of Jerusalem and travel across the Roman Empire, facing certain death, to profess an event. And I suppose the evidence that we have is an empty tomb and empty burial cloths. Because that's the physical evidence that's there. And it's one thing we need to be very careful of when people talk about Jerusalem and they talk about the Holy Sepulchre. Media, particularly media that doesn't pay attention to the nuances of religion, they describe the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem as the burial, as the place where Jesus is buried. And of course, any Christian will turn around and tell them, well, no, actually, it's where he was buried. It's a past tense. We're talking about an event where we say it's historic, it happened, and it has changed our understanding of reality, because that's what it is to be Christian. And of course, we have here that beautiful encounter with Mary. She comes to the tomb and she, and she has seen that the stone has been moved away. Now, I actually prefer the accounts in Luke, in the synoptics, not in John's gospel, because they give more pre pre prominence to Mary's encounter with the angel at the tomb who has rolled the stone away and who tells them the good news. Um, you know, so I, in, in that regard, uh, it, it, John's gospel is a bit, um, bit lacking. It focuses more on the role of Peter and of John. But the first witnesses to the resurrection were the women that accompanied Jesus and the ones that stayed with him to the end. You know, the men ran away. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Uh, the gospel account tells us the only man standing at the foot of the cross was, jo was John the disciple. Uh, Peter had denied him three times. The rest of them had scampered. And it was the women that were there to comfort the dying man on the cross. And it is the women that are given the honor, if you like, and the privilege of being told the good news first, that Christ has been raised from the dead. And I suppose it's so appropriate in so many ways because 
in many cultures around the world, it is the role of women who are the, the breadwinners when it comes to faith. They are the ones that nurture us through our lives and, you know, wash and see us out as we depart from this earth more often than not. While it's become a business in this part of the world in terms of preparing bodies for burial, in many parts of the world, families still prepare the remains um, for burial. And it's the women generally of the family that will undertake that task, um, you know, from cradle to grave. And the same we see here in the gospel. Um, but resurrection, what does it mean for us this Sunday morning? It's a hard one. I think for many people, we're battered and bruised after a, probably a long Lent. We must believe is what we celebrate today, which of course is the resurrection, is that empty tomb. It is the belief in that that we need to cling on to. It is the hope that that gives us that is what we need to believe in. And it is that for which we celebrate this Easter morning. Thanks for that, Shane. Okay, for my few little um, thoughts there this morning. Actually, I, I was taking them actually from the very first part of the, the first few lines of the Gospel there. Where it starts off was, it was very early on the first day of the week and still dark when Mary and Magdalene came to the tomb. Um, and she saw that the tomb had moved, uh, she saw that the stone had been moved away from the tomb and came running to Simon Peter. And I was thinking myself actually of these days, uh, living a Catholic faith, uh, it's a challenge in the world we live in today. It's as though we're told to keep quiet about our beliefs and kept away from public view. We're told that belief in, in the teaching of Jesus Christ is a threat to upsetting people who want to have live their own lives and do their own things without any restrictions. They want to bury us out of sight. They want to put a large barrier around us, a bit like maybe the, stu- uh, maybe the tomb, uh, the stone enclosed in the tomb. But they've done that with Jesus. They physically killed Jesus a few days ago and removed him from, public, from people's view. But today we hear that that was not the end of the story with Jesus. He rose from the dead and is with us every second of our lives. And so too with our own experience. It all seems dark for us living our Christian lives, barriers and obstacles being put in our way, trying to prevent us from connecting with Jesus. But today Jesus overcomes those obstacles and makes himself available to us as we struggle through the dark times he would never leave us alone. The interesting antiphon of today, actually, uh, just took a look at it there this morning, and a part of it uh, says, uh, I have risen, and I'm with you still. Jesus is risen, and will be with us every moment of our lives. So let's rejoice, and let's be glad about that. Today, we read, the other disciples saw, and they believed. Maybe it's time for us today, maybe we could think about something to do for the rest of the day. In prayer, we could be asking the Lord for the gift of faith, that we too can also say we saw and we believed. Well, at least we believed. It's my few thoughts in it, but I just want to finish up with just one little thought there by Michael de Vertai. I like to quote Michael every now and again. And he thank Lord, we thank you for moments of grace. We have been in, in a situation of death, a relationship that meant a lot to us seemed dead. An addiction held us up, held us in its grip. Our country was locked in civil strife. Then the day came that would turn out to be the first of a new era. We were mourning as usual like Mary of Magdalene, making a routine visit to the tomb of Jesus, but saw that stone had been moved away from the tomb. Naturally, we looked for simple explanation. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. But it wasn't like that. It was what the scriptures taught us, that our work, that your work, must always rise again. That about brings us to the end of the program, but just two things I just want to mention there. Um, Just going back to Martina Lehan's um, uh, beautiful reflection that she gave us this morning. One one of the thoughts that I took from that, and I'm not too sure if you took any of these up, but one of the thoughts that I took from that was, to pray, maybe from uh, to pray that our eyes will always be open, and to practice to be open to the unfamiliar places. We're all we're always put in unfamiliar places in our lives from time to time. We're not too sure which way to go. 
let's ask the Lord that when, when we are in those unfamiliar places, that we'll stay focused on his message and just stay, just ask him to stay with us for the rest of our lives as we struggle through sometimes it's good times and sometimes it's bad times, but mostly it's good times. Shane, you've got any, any thought you want to finish off? Leave us with before we go for a final bit of music. No, um, I suppose it's 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 um, you know it's 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 Easter Sunday, and I suppose the reminder to us always is, you know, this is the reason why we call ourselves Christian. It's not Christian. It's not Christmas, rather, but rather it is the reason for us being who and what we are is the fact that uh, Christ, the Lord, has, as the antiphons in, this morning's, uh, in the morning prayer of the office said, the Lord has truly risen, alleluia. And Christ has risen. He is the light of his people whom he has redeemed with his blood. And uh, we just, we sing again, the Lord has risen as he promised. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Thank you for that, Shane. So now we'll go out with our final bit of music. And I want to dedicate this to my niece, my niece, my niece over in the UK, in Birmingham, Catherine, Catherine Keeley, who made her confirmation actually uh, last night at the Easter, Easter ceremonies there in Birmingham. So this is for you, Catherine, uh, especially for, for you, that you, had, that you had a beautiful time yesterday and again today. And this one is by the Limerick Gospel Choir, and this one is entitled, Oh Happy Day. So until from Shane, myself... And especially from Kat to Catherine. Um, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye.